Greetings and welcome to a special edition of the podcast. Back on Thursday, December 7th, the American Mini Golf Alliance, which both Pat and I of the podcast are organizers of that organization, the AMA held a players meeting on Zoom where we talked about the results of the 2023 season, what we're thinking about for 2024, as well as opened up the room for questions from some of the players. And we had a great turnout and we had a handful of questions. We are not including all of the questions since there were some really specific questions about the tournament at Prodigy Mini Golf in Massachusetts in January. And that is one that O Street Mini Golf will be running and we'll have that event information on the event page on the AMA, as well as you can find it on Prodigy's website. So we omitted those questions, but there were just a lot of questions from players like Nathan Fournier from Maine and Glenda, who's played in a number of AMA events regarding practice and travel and snow dates that we figured we would just edit those ones out because they were very specific. But we included a number of questions from Corey Klotz, who ran the putters tournament in Newark, Ohio, Ed Weiss who's in the O Street group, whose sons Landon and Griffin did really well, as well as Ed played in a ton of tournaments. Matt Lyles, who is from Connecticut, as well as uh, some thoughts from all of the AMA organizers, which myself, Tom Loftus, Mr. T, Aaron Kaminsky of O Street, and Pat Sheridan, my podcast co-host, who also does The Putting Penguin. We hope you enjoy this conversation And as we mentioned many, many, many times within the event, please do reach out to us, not only on podcast issues, but also on American Mini Golf Alliance issues. We're happy to answer any questions, give you more information to help you get out and play more mini golf. So with that, we are going to jump into the event. Thanks for listening. Welcome. As I said earlier, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, all of the things. Hopefully it's not too snowy in your part of the world. It is, uh, I'm broadcasting from Minnesota and it's surprisingly comfortable outside. It was like in the high forties. Uh, that's very strange for Minnesota. So, um, yeah, uh, what we're going to do is I think we're going to run through a recap of the season at the top here. And we're going to try to make this a standalone audio podcast. And then we'll have an opportunity later in the program for people to unmute themselves, ask some questions, uh, provide some feedback and all of that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what we got. And, uh, yeah, we just really are valuing, the feedback from our players and really grateful for everybody who's been involved in the first two seasons of the AMA and want to make sure just to keep in touch with what the players want and need, because even though we're all players, we don't make the assumption um, that's the case. And I'm going to start off by kicking off by introducing you to me. I think I know everybody in this room, but just in case, and because this is a podcast on the side, Hi, my name is Tom. I'm based out of Minneapolis. I'm one half of a couple of putts with my wife, Robin Schwartzman, who, as the pink putter, does all of our AMA design, which you can see clearly displayed on a number of our uh, hats and shirts. Um, she's done all of like our branding for the AMA. 
Uh, I also am a co-host of the podcast, and I'm one of the co-founders of the AMA based out of Minneapolis, and I love the game of mini golf. Uh, who wants to go first, people, to my side right now? It's uh, I'll, I'll throw it to my uh, podcast co-host. I was going to say, it's probably best to go to the co-host if we're going to turn into the podcast. So again, I probably know everybody here. So I'm Pat. I'm actually one half of the Putting Penguin, and my other half is on today, Mandy Ranslow. So you get the full Penguin experience in this particular episode that we're going here. We've been doing this for 20 years. Like Tom, been a player for a long time, co-founded AMA. I try to do a bunch of stuff with the... The World Mini Golf Sport Federation from a worldwide perspective of what as well, but most importantly, just love getting out there and putting through windmills. And I'll turn it over to our other uh, AMA organizer who's on the agenda and on the line, and that's uh, someone that's either to my left or right on the Zoom call. Go for it, other person. Hi, this is uh, Aaron Kaminsky. Um affiliated and and run o street mini golf uh so quick shout out to everyone who's come to um our tournaments uh this past year and the prior years really love the support and uh appreciate everyone attending um we're based in south jersey so we help run uh, a variety of events throughout new jersey including the winter classic and the o street open and maybe even one that we have announced outside of new jersey i know it's crazy but um yeah that's us. Wonderful. And I I thought I would, in case people here or listening weren't aware of how the AMA started, just to give a little bit of a background. Um, and it kind of goes into like where I came into the world of mini golf, where my wife and I enjoyed playing the game of mini golf, started reviewing courses, started connecting with people in the mini golf world like Pat. And I got to know Pat and we started exchanging about this weird TV show or something that was going to be happening called that eventually ended up being Holy Moly. And that is where Pat and I met in person. And funny enough, I think Pat may have had some awareness of Aaron at that time, but all three of us really met out while season one of Holy Moly was being filmed. And through that, I think that experience was just, so amazing for all of us. And I really wasn't connected to the competitive world of mini golf in Minnesota, just because there honestly wasn't anything at that time. There was a person locally that had ran a tournament in Minnesota, and I was aware of other tournaments that were going on that Pat had hosted from following Putting Penguin stuff from when a couple of putts got going, and then found out about what Aaron was doing with O Street and started seeing their videos and started connecting with other people who are interested in mini golf from that. We all met Mick Cullen, who won season one of AMA, as well as his episode of Holy Moly, which you can now watch on Netflix. And we all just from that experience were really stayed in touch with each other and realized there were all these independent little tournaments that were happening across the country that were really unaffiliated. We were sort of these misfit little entities all around and we're like well how do we connect the dots and i think some of it was like well let's just go play in each other's tournaments but really as we talk more it's like well how can we take all these different independent tournaments and connect the dots more formally and that's where we came up eventually with the idea for the american mini golf alliance the ama it was to take all of these tournaments that 
Pat had been connected to and involved with like the Matterhorn Pro-Am, Dolphin, Farmington. He had been running those. Aaron, who had been running his O Street $1,000 tournament, which is now called the O Street Open, and his Winter Classic along with leagues. And I had just started running the Miniest Mini Golf Open in Minnesota. And we're just like, who else is doing that? And that is sort of how the AMA has grown is just connecting the dots. Nathan, who's on the call here right now, he's part of the uh, main mini golf tour. And we had been in touch via putt 18 with Justin Pelletier. And it's like, how about the main crew join up? And we've just been expanding that way sort of organically and really working with people who love the game of mini golf that see the opportunity for there to be more connectedness, more welcoming spirit and inviting spirit for the game of mini golf and to really bring more people together. There's a really great competitive system in about the Southern half of the United States that's been developed a long time ago where people are really close and friendly with each other. And we've gotten to know a lot of them and they're fantastic, but there really hadn't been that interconnectedness in the upper part of the United States. And so we're like, well, why don't we do that? And I think we're trying to even connect some more of those dots so that there can be a little bit more getting everybody in the same room, having fun and playing mini golf. So that that's the AMA in a nutshell. And we're just really grateful, honestly, for two seasons of competitive mini golf that we feel have gone pretty well as we've been a little bit winging it as we go along as well as kind of knowing as players what we would want to know what we would want to hear from organizers about tournaments and trying to be really proactive in sharing out that information, photos, videos, so people can be like, okay, this is what this course looks like. I'm either in or I'm out. We've been fortunate to run these two seasons with a lot of cool support from some sponsors. Uh, Walkabout Mini Golf, a VR game that was just a godsend during the pandemic along with Pod 18. They've been generous to support us either financially or with giveaways that have been really cool prizes that are meaningful and valuable to the players. And they are putting. Both of them, if you've played Walkabout Mini Golf, the physics of that game and even sometimes the controllers, it's the same motion. It's in a video game format. And some people don't like that all that much, maybe. But for us, it's the same thing. And it's definitely helped people get better. And there's a massive community competing there every week. And then we also had some other sponsors. Pingvin, a mini golf company out of Germany, has sent us some mini golf balls that we gave away last year and we're going to give away this year. And One Shot Golf, a really fun mini golf robot controlled app that has given us some prizes to give away to people that have the most hole in ones in our tournament. So thank you to all of them. And hey, you know what? I made an agenda for this meeting and I'm like, I'm on time. So I'm pretty happy about that. Wanted just to kind of do a really quick season wrap because some people, you know, are playing in different areas of the United States and might not know all of what's going on in the AMA and just the magnitude of it. Because for us, it's just been really amazing to see. But we have had uh, in 2022, we had nine in-person events. 2023, we had 17 in-person events and four virtual events between two putt 18 events and two walkabout events. So really cool. Um, and the one thing that you know I had kind of on my notes 
that I'm really happy about too is we've had a really good mix of players. And one thing I wanted to call out was we had some players under the age of 18 who had some really amazing successes this year. We had Griffin Weiss, who's son of Ed Weiss on here, tied for fourth for the season, uh, his first time going through a full AMA season. We had Owen Pendleton, who is dad, uh, Mike's on the call. He won the amateur division of the Miniest Mini Golf Open in Minnesota. And while Max Cullen may not have won any awards this year yet, he has just embodied the spirit of mini golf that we all love. He's the son of Mick Cullen. He's participated in a number of events and is just an absolute joy. And I just feel grateful that I've been at several events that he's played at. And I wanted to shout them out. Um, you know, number of participants. So across the 21 events, we had 571 competitors. And that turned out to, well, 571 entries. That is 418 unique competitors that go across 11 states that are Minnesota, New Jersey, Texas, Illinois, Wisconsin, Maine, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Missouri, Ohio, and Georgia. And a bunch of those are completely new uh, this year. We never had an event in Georgia and Ohio and Pennsylvania, and those were all added in. As of uh, this recording, we have 320 registered AMA members, and it's free. And if you're not a member, go to amaminigolf.com. You can become a member clicking on the button. We had 124 of those members join this year. And yeah, it's just been really great. Like I said, we have some really great sponsors and they have uh, sponsored us financially enough so that we've been able to offset the expenses of sending out membership cards and letters to pay for our modest expenses. And that's been really great. So that's where they're, we're at as far as our first two seasons went and some of the stats. I'm going to turn it over to my co-host from the podcast here, Pat Sheridan, to uh, go through one of those things that I think some of the people in this room care about, which is uh, not only competing, but finishing well. Pat, do you want to talk about uh, how the season for 2023 ended? Yeah, so we're going to go through some of our top 10. And I guess just a reminder, if anybody has questions, especially as we get into the next couple sections, looking forward, you can throw them in the chat. We're going to monitor that. Um, And I guess if you're listening to this on replay, you can always reach us at amaminigolf at gmail.com or just hit us up on the social media as well. So, yeah, we wanted to, to shout out one of the things that's been a both a joy but very difficult from the AMA perspective is to try to figure out how to take all of these bespoke tournaments that are all over the place and give some sort of ranking system to them knowing that most people aren't going to travel to a bunch and so you may get two or three in there we've got different sizes we've got such a large umbrella of things that we're trying to bring under the scope of mini golf and how do we kind of weight them all the same so yeah last year we had our first crack of that we've kind of changed up some of the points and everything but i think if you take a look at where we ended this year with the top 10 and how the points came out it really was reflective of the players who did the best over a vast majority of the tournaments and um tom i don't know if you were planning on throwing up the the graphic here so we did want to shout out our, our top 10. Um, we'll, we'll go in reverse order so Aaron can sit there and, and gloat for a little while as he sits on the screen. Um, 
But, you know, wanted to to call out, I had the pleasure of playing with Landon in the, the O Street Open when he had an amazing final few holes there to to push a playoff, pull to Justin Seymour. And um, thanks to that win there and playing in another tournament, he cracked the, the top 10. And we talked a little bit about his uh, brother Griffin, who's further up the leaderboard, thanks to, to his particular season. Um, we had Sean Brown couple of tournaments there he did well in the walkabout tournaments as well he came in ninth our own tom loftus managed to to crack the top 10 tom had the honor of playing in the most in-person tournaments throughout the year of the ama so he played in seven of them and he did play in the walkabout in the putt 18 one so i think he played at the most complete season that anybody had and i'm also feeling a little jealous now that i realize that i'm the only one of us that didn't make the top 10 somehow uh, and then in the seventh and probably coming at seventh it was absolutely the least of his uh, achievements in 2023 is Gary Hester, who won the Masters this year. He won the uh, first ever World Putting League event. He's done well in those events as well. If you haven't watched that, go uh, check out the worldputtingleague.com. That's some of the events that have had sports betting on them. So uh, Gary, definitely a 2023 year for him to remember and he just you know went and won one of our tournaments as well and i have no doubt that if he played in a lot more of our tournaments that he would probably be sitting at the number one spot because uh that was quite a year that he had and then a uh, perennial favorite out of connecticut justin seymour a you know surgery on his back cannot keep him from doing well in mini golf tournaments he played in a few he played in the putt 18 ones where he's coming around there as well i know we've got kyle corsi on the line who had a great season kyle including snipping me for second place in a tournament which i was still a little angry that i managed to let that one go but doing well in his now main home of winning maine and then coming second in dolphin doing well in the, the connecticut tournaments so um, hopefully we get some more mass tournaments. I know Aaron alluded to the one we'll talk about in a little bit here so that he can really show his mass mini golf skills, even though he's in Maine right now. Mentioned Griffin. We mentioned Mick came in you know, third place here. He had the win at the MC Mini Masters. Matt Rolstead, he was the only one who won two in real life tournaments this year. So he picked up two of the three Minnesota tournaments and he couldn't beat me for the third one. So I am happy about that. Keeping him out of the, the trifecta hat trick there. And then number one, uh, you know, gold star putter, Aaron, you had played in six tournaments. You played in putt 18, you played in walkabout. And this was, I think where we saw the math work the most interestingly, because no shots to you, you didn't have a win, but you had, multiple podiums bonuses and just the level of consistency throughout the season managed to keep you above some of the folks who had the win so i always look at this and i think it kind of looks right um you know when i look at kind of other sports that do whether it's like f1 or nascar or, or some of the you know even the pga in some respects in terms of how they try to manage these rankings if i look at who finished the top 10 and how they got there i feel really good that we probably aren't 100% where we need to be at the rankings, but we're doing something that really highlights some of our, our best competitors throughout the country. And you can see there's a pretty good distribution as well of players from where they played. And a lot of these did play in different geographical areas as well. So as Tom mentioned, we had a lot of crossover. We're trying to grow that as well. And I think overall from the competitive side, we felt pretty good about 2023. And Aaron, I will I will give you two minutes if you want to say anything as as the league winner this year. Oh well, well, thank you. No, I'd like to thank uh, my my mom and dad for for 
bring me into this world. And uh, now, um, honestly, it's it. My my favorite part about the entire season isn't just uh, like I think more or less a shock for me to get to the top. But um, no, it was playing in all these events, hanging out with everyone. Um, I was fortunate enough to find my way to Minnesota again this year um, or drive at like five o'clock in the morning up to the shack to a course I had never played. And um, I, I know I'm biased because I'm a founding member and help run this, but um, I've, I, because of these tournaments, I've been able to go to um, different places, meet new people, um, explore different areas. Um, I don't know if I would be going to Canton, Connecticut for anything other than, you know, Matterhorn or um, uh, Coon Rapids, Minnesota, um, if I'm in the Minnesota area uh, or Minneapolis area. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, that's my favorite part about it. And um, honestly, and I said it before with those three, but for the AMA, if it wasn't for everyone participating in this, um, then we really wouldn't have something like that. So, um, yeah, it's my went over a little two minutes, but, um, it's not me, it's you. Um, that being said, because I do have a four, um, let's talk about the 2024 season. So as Tom and Pat alluded to, um, the ranking system is something that we're constantly, um, working on and tweaking to make sure that the, um, the top 10, as well as the, um, finishes throughout all the tournaments are getting the appropriate amount of points. It's probably never going to be a perfect system, but with your feedback and um, just being able to add more tournaments, I think that we're going to um, slowly determine uh, each season, you know, the top 10 players in the country. And I just want to say that one more time, like the best mini golfers in the country. It's like a little thing that I like just, talking to people like oh yeah i play professional miniature golf or i'm like ranked mini golf it's it's a ridiculous stat um so now we actually all have an excuse in a way of actually showing it um but the for the 2024 season um we haven't confirmed all the events um but starting off in january as a red tournament we have the prodigy m midwinter cup that is at prodigy mini golf in east hampton Massachusetts on January 28th. Um, that is as of now two rounds, uh, $1,300 purse. Uh, it's indoors, which is a huge plus for the winter time, uh, especially those in the Northeast. Um, after that, we have the third annual coziest mini golf open on February 28th. Uh, that is also a red tournament in uh, the February 18th. What did I say? 28th. 20th because i uh i can read and yeah it's, it's it's the it's february 18th and it's at golf zone in chaska minnesota which i did not put on our list so that's on me but it's within the minneapolis area correct yeah it's in the southern suburbs it's an indoor cozy little course that's got a northwoods vibe to it and it's got a nice little bar where you can order a frozen pizza and they'll cook it up for you or a drink and has a driving range, so it's a cool little place uh, in the southern suburbs of uh, the Twin Cities. 
after that, also in February, on February 24th, is the O Street Winter Classic uh, in Manchester Family at Manchester Family Golf Center in Manchester, New Jersey. Anyone in the New Jersey area, it's right off of the Parkway, uh, halfway in the state between North and South. Some say it's Central Jersey. I don't, but it's uh, it's in that area. That is outside. Uh, two rounds, so definitely bundle up and might get a little cold. Um, the other confirmed event, um, jumping to May 4th, is the Lighthouse Classic at Jens Links. Um, it's on uh, Long Beach Island, LBI, all the way up north to Barnegat Light, uh, where the lighthouse is, hence the name. Um, Jens Links is a Harris course. I believe it's confirmed that it's on the High Tide course. There's two courses over there, um, so um, all the rounds will be on that high tide course that is also a red event and i believe i'm just going back the o street uh winter classic is also a red event like it was in the past um after that may 11th is the looniest mini golf open that is a red event and uh pat tom location yes that is in i believe it's shoreview is the uh suburb of St. Paul that it is in. And before I forget, that Looniest Open will be three rounds, and then there's going to be a bonus Aces Only round inspired by a uh, guest uh, to this meeting, Gary Schiff. I was really inspired by the one that I played at Odita, so did that. And then I'm actually borrowing the Aces Only as part of the Coziest Open. It's traditionally been only two rounds, but we really wanted to amp it up. It's a ace heavy course that has unique um, distinction of having holes that if you make like a hole on a first shot that are a little bit harder, you can get a zero. And so I felt like there should be a little bit more to it. So what we're doing for the pros is for the third round, the top six will play a full round. The rest of the field will compete in an aces only event and they'll go out first. So they'll finish off. The field that did not get in the top six will have the possibility of winning the aces only round. The top six will not be in that aces only round because they'll be playing that third round. So uh, that's what we have for that. And I just wanted to mention because in our schedule, we don't have a beginning of the year like confirmed date for our two virtual events like we did last year yet. But you can expect that we're going to have a walkabout event probably in late February. We're thinking around the 25th. We'll confirm that later. But the way that we've been doing is we've been doing at the beginning of a new season of the weekly walkabout leagues. And I've been told that's when the next one will start. I think the only caveat would be is if for some reason that Upside Town was selected as both courses easy and hard, we would push it out a week. And then we're waiting to hear from the Put 18 World Pro League what the season is looking like. But more than likely, we will not have our Put 18 event until after their first series of 2024. And we'll have it in between those seasons and a lead up to the World Pro League's second series of 2024. I think our hope with both of those virtual events is that people participate in them and if they really enjoy them they can transition right away into competing in the whole season uh from the walkabout virtual league that plays once a week on an easy and hard course that's in the 
official walkabout mini golf VR discord channel that's organized in there. And then with putt 18, the same thing, all of us have been playing in the world pro league since we got those putting mats from Australia in the pandemic. And we really want to encourage people to join up with that. And then we have some events that we might not mention that were on the calendar last year around this time, but we're just waiting to confirm them. We don't want to jump the gun on that. Um, but what you can and but I'll let Aaron go back because you're at the looniest on May 11th, which is the mini golf day. So that's the date that we have been selecting for that. As you'll note, a lot of us have like a similar cadence every year. So expect those tournaments to be annual. Yep. And then perfect. Just checking. I'm not muted anymore. Um, uh, June 29th is going to be the 27th annual MC mini masters in the Chicagoland area. If anyone's played that, um, it is a fun packed full mini golf day. Um, so you definitely get your, your traveling in within one, one area, six rounds, two at parking, I believe. Um, and the, um, other four rounds and four separate locations, uh, but, typically change every year, but parking has been kind of the staple that the tournament ends at. Um, that is a white tournament. Um, after that, uh, as of now confirmed, uh, we jump to August 11th and that's going to be the O street mini golf open, same format, same location, tea time in ocean city, New Jersey. Um, the, uh, 42nd annual Farmington mini golf or tournament, uh, that is going to be on August 18th. Of course, the Matterhorn, the eighth annual international program in Canton, Connecticut on September 21st, the Branson Open. We are, I believe, still trying to confirm the date, but uh, it's probably going to be sometime at the end of uh, September. And then um, definitely confirmed date and uh, location is the fifth uh, annual Minius Open in Coon Rapids, Minnesota at Lilliput on uh, September 29th. I know Pat kind of talked, or sorry, Tom talked about um, that format changing a little bit. Um, we are still waiting to confirm some previous events from last year, um, like Shaq, Red Putter, um, the main open at Tabor's, uh, the Dolphin Open. So uh, we're hoping to bring those back. But once we are able to confirm the dates, we'll announce those um, to everyone. and. Uh, mark them on your calendars and and we will say that there are a number of different tournaments in the works there's a couple that were just last year that we want to confirm with the owners and the organizers to make sure they'll work but we're also have been in touch with a lot of other course owners who've been running tournaments already that want to be part of the ama and so we're just kind of working it out to make sure the formats work and to make sure that everything is okay just to kind of give you a little behind the scenes, we've had a lot of course owners reach out to us and there's a lot of different formats out there. And some of them, we just haven't figured out how to work in our point system. Right. As of right now, we haven't been doing any match play events. We've really just been doing stroke play events, minimum of two rounds, hoping, you know, with them to be more. And then we try to, keep them from being like overly funky but there's some interesting rules and things in a couple of them but we don't want it to be where 
we've seen some tournaments in the past where you show up and all of a sudden, like you have to play at the house putter and a house ball. And that, that kind of takes people out of it. Obviously those who played Farmington know have to use a house ball. If you played mixed tournament, you know that one hole in each of the six rounds you use kind of a quirky implement or you have to play a hole in a unique way. But we feel like in those tournaments, those are pretty transparent. And while they're a little unconventional, so are we. And so is the game of mini golf. And I think for us, what's been really important for us to help grow the game is just to have lots of entry points for people. When we're looking at this list of people that played, it's kind of proving out to us what we really believed is that there's a lot of people that want to play competitive mini golf. And there's a lot of places of entry. We have, you know, two round tournaments at the Winter Classic, at the Miniest Open, and at the Shack that had great turnouts. And then we also had great turnouts at the Dolphin Open, which is 10 rounds. And we have everything kind of in between there. And we want to really grow that, but leave room for people to come into those tournaments in all sorts of different ways. So, um, yeah, Aaron, you want to continue? Just I, I don't know if there's anything more on it. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to send a lot of those details and updates as we start confirming the um, schedule through social media. Obviously, if you're following us there, uh, MailChimp emails. Um, and if you haven't signed up, definitely sign up. Um, send out that um, uh, newsletter uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, the news section on our website is always a good spot um, where we, once we have an event confirmed, um, we'll have that posted on the events page there. And then of course, easy way, especially if you have a long drive uh, to work or doing a little road trip, uh, make sure to listen to the podcast for uh, any announcements and updates that way. Uh, the one thing to note, and, and some of the uh, events purposely didn't announce the tiers because uh, tier as well as the scoring system isn't 100% finalized. We're uh, just doing an evaluation of attendance from last year and new events coming through um, that we've confirmed for 2024. So um, as we finalize that, uh, we'll make that announcement as well as the remaining 2024 schedule. And that's all. That's all I got it. Right, which leads us into some of the other 2024 stuff. I mean, so one of the things we, we put the link in the survey, and I think everybody here on the call has probably already filled out the survey. We've got about 30 responses so far, which isn't too bad for a couple of weeks here. And if you're listening or if you're on this call and you just do us a favor and kind of share it out with other people as well, we want to get as much feedback as, as possible um, going into 2024. I think the the thing that we've really been looking at is you know, we want to balance being receptive and responsive to some of the feedback and also not changing everything severely every year. So our, our general thought is there's probably not going to be a lot of major changes going 23 to 24 to have some consistency. The feedback we get now, if we think there's some bigger swings on stuff we want to do, that'll probably manifest itself if we're lucky enough to keep this going the next couple of years and in 25 and beyond. Um, but, you know, I've alluded to it, Tom's alluded to it, Aaron's alluded to it, you know, th this whole tiering thing, again, trying to to figure out what's the best way to weight everything and try to reassess it and also make it not too complicated. I mean, we do have the description on the site. And when you go into the the rankings page, we, you know, we have the full scoring. So you can look at all the tournaments, how the points are laid out to get to your individual total and everybody else's in a sense of transparency there. But 
you do also realize it's it's a little complicated when you're doing that level of math with max and mins and it's you know as an accountant i really love that we have a complicated spreadsheet it makes me happy when the math works like that but um and we also are aware that sometimes it just doesn't work for everybody right it, it works for 80 20 and we're trying to tweak it and i think part of us not charging membership fees and responding sponsors is is because we know we're not there 100 yet we're still kind of working uh, as you do with the best software working through it in production as you're using it so um I, I think we will have some changes. Most likely, we probably won't change the tier structure too much this year. We may have some tournaments move up and down based on what happened. Really, the best way for us to get consistency would be great if all of our tournaments had 40 or 50 people, because then they could all be even in a way. Um, but we're, in, we're also looking at, well, how do we expand even further to like weirder tournaments or one-off courses or things that are kind of outside the realm, like we've done with Walkabout and Put 18 and kind of put them in their own silo. So I'd expect we're going to come up with some kind of one-offs here, or maybe different divisions. And a lot of that will be driven by, um, you know, feedback as well. And, and one of the biggest points of feedback we've had is kind of how that tier system works, understanding it, knowing there was even a tier system and how those points applied and bonus points. And so we've got some takeaways there to work over the next couple of weeks, um, even if it's not structural changes, at least in kind of the, the marketing and the communication around that, being very clear when you're at an event, what is happening at that event, what you're potentially earning, how does that play into if you're someone who cares about Things like rankings, how does that play into the, the year end? And then what your opportunities are to play in different events if you're really shooting for a high ranking at the end of the day. So that's it. It, it is survey. You know, again, what we'll post it here, get people out, send it around. And we would love to get a vast majority, at least of the, especially of the people who've played in the tournaments. You know, the survey not only talks a little bit about the season, we try to get some feedback from your overall experience. And then I know Tom and Aaron and I have talked a little bit about, we may even have a little QR code or something you could fill out at a tournament that's specific to that tournament. So we're getting some more real-time feedback for all of our tournaments, um, you know, as we go through the season and with, you know, 20 now with the, the virtual, we'll shooting maybe 25, 30. It's a lot to kind of, ask for all at once. So if we can kind of microtransaction a little bit of that during the year, we'd love to get that feedback. And again, the support as well of just getting the word out there. So uh, big point for us, but that I think more or less wraps up kind of our prepared remarks. Tom, Aaron, anything else you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I wanted to add on that because I we've already been digging through the surveys and there's been so many really good comments and feedback. I think part of it, like in reading them, it's like, yeah, we thought about that. That might be, that's something we had thought about. Maybe we should implement that. And I, I mean, immediately it's like, maybe we need to just do two scoring systems and maybe we need to do this. And it's just like, I think we've, we've learned from rushing and jumping to things too quickly that you can make mistakes by doing that and not being consistent. And so I think what is really important to us is just to work these things out and have, you know, like be very transparent and ask for your understanding, but then also take in your feedback and really do something with it to help improve the experience because we're players and we kind of have a sense of what we'd like going into a tournament and we talk to other players and listen to them. And so, you know, we want to get to a place where 
it's feeling like everybody kind of knows what's going on, feels good about it and wants to share and invite people. And, you know, we haven't had like really any big end of the season things like our big end of the season things for both of our first two years is that walkabout had given us a VR headset to give to the winners. And then my wife, and you can't see this if you're listening, she created, and so some of the people who haven't gotten for 2023 yet, we created these little 3D printed tokens that are sort of our token of appreciation to the people that have finished in the top 10, sort of as a little bit of a, a little bit of a keepsake to, you know, acknowledge what happened. But I think for us, what we really want to do is acknowledge a lot of different types and kinds of success and improvements across the year, even just rewarding people for being really spirited and amazing. I think that's something we've talking about is people who create a great atmosphere at tournaments and make the tournaments really fun. We want to encourage and recognize all of that in addition to the people who finish well, because I think we don't have to give, you know, we're not going to be like giving something away to everybody, but, but I think it's important for us that people feel like they're part of a larger thing and they make it happen. And we enjoy having everybody there, no matter how they finish, that it's not just like, we only care about you if you're in the top five or 10, you know, we care much further than that. So yeah. Just, Tom, quick point yeah. on that. I, I think we've all been in, in, we've had an experience where you go to a tournament and you're teamed up with somebody and they could either really make or break your game based just only on attitude. Um, and sometimes maybe you're just having a bad day and at least you got to play with someone fun. So yeah, I, I think that that spirit um, is not acknowledged enough. I mean, I feel, I feel like so many tournaments you leave and you'd be like, man, like I just had a good group. And like, I think that's why I played better. So yeah, it's, I, I think it's a huge factor. And I think one other thing I forgot to mention, you know, we're doing a lot of this. And but if, if you're somebody who somehow finds yourself with extra time and would like to help out during the season, I mean, we're looking to kind of expand the group that does this, even if it's if you just want to do data entry on, on your couch at some point, we've, we've got opportunities there. But, um, you know, it's not just the three of us in our extended group with with Mandy and Robin and stuff trying to do these. We want to open it up so if you're you're on the call here if you're listening to the playback if you're interested reach out to us and there's definitely some stuff that we could use help either thinking through or executing during the year as we continue to grow considering this is probably all of our like third or fourth side job at this point and and, and kind of to that to that uh one of the things that we're hoping to do that we've already started on where we can use some of that data entry help is that we have started to put all of the whole by whole scores slowly, very slowly into Bond Golf Arena, which is a really great, I don't even know how to describe it. I guess it's sort of like a web app at this point, um, but it, it, it's a system where you can put in all of the whole by whole scores and then essentially you will have a website of not only the results, but when you click on an individual person and you can see those whole by whole results, you can also see the stats for, oh, 
this is how many people got hole in ones on hole one. And this is how many people got sixes on hole four. And you can kind of take a look at all those stats. And there's lots of really fun stuff you can do with that. I think down the road, we would love to get to a point where we're lining up a lot more with what you know this system has been used in, which is in the European system, where they have devices in each group where they are scoring each hole in real time so that not only could you have an experience where you're scoring an event and it's going up in real time, but those stats are there in real time. So if you're one of those people that wants to see what's happening in the tournament, great. But even more importantly, you know, what if your partner, what if your family members are following along on Bond Golf Arena? You can send them a message right away. It's been kind of cool this last year traveling overseas, getting to know that system and then getting to know people and being like, Congrats, Sevi! You won this tournament. I got to see that in real time. It was like minutes after he finished in the tournament. Obviously, as we grow, we'd love to do live streaming of events and all of that. But that's that's that that's down the road. But if you want to help out, things like that, where we just need people who have PCs that like to do data entry and like to learn a new system, Bond Golf Arena. We have lots of opportunity for people to jump in there and do something simple social media same thing but uh yeah that that's kind of about it um and i think we you know i feel like we've kept really good on time and i think the most important thing is we've got a number of people here i i think we'd love to hear you know some feedback and or questions uh i don't know if anybody's eager to go i can i think you can unmute yourself right now if you'd like but if you want to just jump in uh and go one at a time uh i would say go for it there's a whole crew here and i know none of you are too shy so jump on in Corey. i saw you unmuted yourself did you have a question or feedback a uh, little bit of both yeah um I, I came in really late i apologize i came in you were still talking about something about uh two scoring systems i was kind of curious you know if that was just feedback if that was off the cuff or is there like a, a dual scoring system you guys are debating or what's the deal with that uh we so far what we are going to be planning on doing is to finalize the scoring system for 2024 i think we're going to look at both the base points in the tiers as well as the bonus points and see if those make sense or if they should potentially wait a little bit higher in the tournaments that we consider like having larger field, bigger turnouts and all of that. Those are the big factors that when, and I know that came up in the survey, sort of asking like, what's the rubric? A lot of it's around, you know, size of field, um, competitiveness of the tournament, uh, competitiveness of the field that's typically turning out. I think some of it, even for like tiers, if you look at a mixed tournament, for example, the MC Mini Masters had a really competitive field at the top of it, and it was really, really close this year, but it wasn't in our top scoring tier in part because there is a lot of novelty factor to not only those parking courses, but the way the tournament is held. So I think in wanting to really reward and make sure we're rewarding skilled putting the most it's in there, but it also doesn't diminish the fact that it is a six-round marathon day where 
you're not really getting to practice and you're really having to put on the fly and do well, that we don't want to like diminish that either as let alone it being a great day of mini golf. But we had talked about just with all of our scoring tiers that there was, I think initially seeing some of the feedback, like, boy, maybe we should like simplify it. I think we are going to do a better job at explaining it visually what those tiers are, maybe even connecting the dots, you know, between like blue equals the highest tier, the most points for not only the base level, but for bonus points for people who podium, then white, then red, and making that more clear. I think is one of those things as organizers, we sit and talk about it enough that it's just like, yeah, red, blue, white. Everybody's like, I think that came through in the surveys that it really wasn't totally clear. And I think even more trying to make a very consistent rubric and some of that, like, for example, Corey, your tournament, it was your first year through, you have an incredibly competitive field and we kind of wanted to see by numbers. I think we're also going to look at your tournament that was in the red tier was realistically like competitive field wise, probably somewhat higher, but had a smaller turnout. So how do we offset that and balance that? You know, we have tournaments that have a really big turnout and we're giving a lot of points, but there might be tournaments with like smaller tournaments of 10 to 15, like the one that you ran, the, some of the ones the show me putters ran that those top five putters might be, you know, some of the best putters in the circuit and find ways to acknowledge and give points to those people that are really skilled. And that's really our goal is to like connect those dots. And we're still honestly, it's a work in progress and it's year two with a lot of new tournaments. And I think as we go, our whole plan has been to adjust as we go along and it's just going to take some time to get that right. And I feel like we do okay, given that like college football and the NCAA have been around forever. And uh, as far as I can tell from social media, I'm pretty sure people aren't too happy about how that all went. And if our top 10 if there's an argument or it's a conversation starter, like, oh, I don't think Aaron's that good. I think Kyle's better than him or, you know, whatever. Great. There's the, like, we are not trying to be definitive. There's It's part of the reason we're not like throwing a big pile of money or anything at the top spot. I think we want to acknowledge a lot of people and acknowledge that success, but we also don't want to be like definitively Aaron is the best putter in the country and that like Gary Hester is six spots below him which, and that's what Aaron which said. I'm not that's what Aaron I will, says I will all the gladly time. be the first to say that <laughs> I am not at all but it's also when you look at say you know uh football for instance you know in college football with the controversy right now is a, a great example like for a committee to choose the best teams I mean, that that's extremely tough to do and all those teams to any given Sunday, you know, really can come out and uh, beat one another. So um, the the one point I was going to say, Tom, with the tiering is also that um, ideally you don't have to travel that far in order to win the AMA. Um, if you are in your area and you play a red, a white, a blue event, and you are just cleaning it up with those three events, you're going to be at the top of the AMA. 
um, if you feel like you're going to get close. And, and that was some of my motivation this year. I, I didn't think I was going to be making it out to uh, Minneapolis this year. I was actually looking at pop stroke and had a ticket book and then I decided not to go. And then as the season kind of culminated, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of close, maybe move some things around and even going to the shack. I, I thought I actually had a better shot getting points at Matterhorn than I did at uh, just showing up to the shack. So, um, you know, I don't think there, there's definitely a path where you don't have to travel that far. And that's definitely a goal of ours where if we're adding new events, um, we're trying to find areas where there aren't any events and, and prodigy and mess, uh, was definitely, uh, one, one reason why we added that on, um, Texas. I mean, that that's, we had it last year and we're having, uh, hopefully it again, uh, at some point this year, but that's just an area where we don't have a lot of tournaments um, that we're trying to continue add and grow. So one last note, if you're thinking about have, if you want more tournaments in your area, you know, I think that's a reason why Pat, myself and Tom have our tournaments is because we want to, to play in more. So if you guys are ever interested in hosting one, you know, we're always here as a resource to help out. And, and that's an easy way to grow the AMA. And when I, the reason I bring up the scoring system, obviously, it's not something that I'm, you know, it's not at the top of my priority list with the things I have going on. But, you know, I I love that you guys are trying to grow the game and I'm on the putt-putt circuit and obviously they're not. So when it dies, it's dead. And the future is the rest of you guys. So that's just the unfortunate truth of that. Um, great, great talent, but it, it's going to be gone soon. <laughs> it's not going to last long enough. But, um, you know, scoring's fun. Stats are fun. I'm a stats nut. Um, unfortunately, I have a Mac, so man, golf doesn't work very well. <laughs> I'm not running two operating systems. I, I do have access to PC. Like, if that's something that I can help and put some store, some scores, you know, I'm I'm all for helping. I do that stuff for fun anyway. Um, if any of you guys saw the sheet that I did for my tournament, like I do live scoring at all the putt putt events, and it's not live scoring. It's between my rounds, I sit down on my computer and I type in hole by hole for everybody that's played and put a link out to Facebook just to be there. And there's, you know, five people that watch it, but those five people are so ecstatic that they can watch a tournament happening in almost real time before people are posting pictures of the scoreboard that they love it. You know, it's, there's guys watching their family members and their, you know, their friends. And, and to Tom's point, you can send that congratulations right now. Um, but that stuff's so cool and ranking systems are cool. But like I said, my feedback, you can't have a guy show up to two tournaments, win them both, not go to anything else, you know, two red level tournaments at that and expect to be on a, you know, top 20 list, let alone a top 10 list. And at the same token, you can't have somebody, I mean, if somebody plays every event, that's fantastic. If you play every event in your last, you shouldn't beat somebody that's done fairly well at five or six events. And it's, it's tough to, don't beat your guys, your guys selves up about it because it's, it's really tough when you don't have overlap in common opponents and, you know, huge cross sections of your very spread out organization. You're not going to get a true feel every year. And, and Aaron, congrats. I'm not taking away from you played great. Okay. You can, you can talk about how you're not the best all you want, but according to that, that standing that was created that everybody played on, you are, <laughs> um, but but that's fun, and, right? And trust me, we tried to create a ranking system that Aaron didn't couldn't win. He played the most uh tournaments last year and did not win it. And we it's should true. 
We should make sure to mention the person who is talking, Corey Klotz, who ran the putters tournament, not only won that tournament, I believe, for the second time in a row, correct? But, mm -hmm. I mean, talk about playing against some fierce opponents. He beats John Lang and Matt Mayle and Jeff Studer. I mean, just like a real, a real like heavy hitters, serious putters have been playing putt-putt. And I think for us, it's for us, it's like, how do we have opportunities to bring more of those people and more events? And frankly, as putt-putt's dying and some of these courses around the country are doing more independent events, we're happy to invite them to have like course championships that are not like an official PPA thing that if you want to have them opted in, the fact of the matter is, is those regional events are just as meaningful. And that's sort of why we started the AMA. There's all of these tournaments happening where there's meaningful and talented putters and people that are showing up that finish in first and finish in 20th that are all serious, like people about having fun and playing mini golf. And that's kind of our goal. And I'm glad that we had a putt-putt course as part of the circuit this year. And I hope we have more. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're real. I mean, as you spoke to Pat in his really great way of putting together the system is we immediately thought of what would happen if someone just showed up to 10 tournaments and just collected all of like the participation points and got enough like additive points. And so that was like our first year where we, averaged them out and then we got a lot of feedback that's like if i wouldn't have showed up to this tournament this next tournament i actually would have finished better than for showing up for it because i didn't understand how it worked but i was first in this one tournament in this tier and 10th in this other tournament and all of a sudden my points put me in the middle and we're like well you came in 10th so <laughs> the middle probably is where you're at but we don't want there to be disincentives to playing, but we also don't want to turn it into who can just like show up to as many events as possible and make that happen. I think there's definitely been concerns about that from the beginning. And I think we did a pretty good job of avoiding that. And that's kind of our goal is to really make sure that we're giving way more bonus points and rewarding the people that finish higher in a point system that yeah and pat i know you've got lots of thoughts <laughs> no just ge geography Corey. you, you hit yeah, geography is no. our biggest nemesis right because we can't have the overlap because i would love you know we I lo we've looked at like what the bmga does in the uk right and you know, I laugh sometimes where they complain about their longest drives, like four hours to a tournament. And I'm like, well, that gets me to maybe my second tournament that I'm going to play in there as well. And, you know, their system has, you know, a more complicated structure where it's, it's basically strength of schedule, like who's playing there. Mm -hmm. But that's because they have such an overlap, right? You can compare right. those players so much better. If I think about like college hockey that does like the pairwise system, there's all these systems that are out there that are kind of built on, um, at least some level of common compo of opponents. And I know, Tom, I don't know that we, we pulled the numbers, but if you start to, if you start to look at how many AMA members actually got to play more than like two events and especially outside of their geographical area, that number dwindles a lot. So yeah, 
I think that's the the thing that we've been trying to we've we've done all right. There's definitely some tweaks here that we want to make, and we've even looked at like, well, do you factor in if you do travel? You know, is there more of a point base if you do go two, three, four hours out of your way? Do you get some more credit for trying to do that because now you're playing potentially against people you've never played against before? Right. I mean, I was shocked that I managed to win a tournament in Minnesota because I showed up and played against an entire field other than Tom that I had never played against. I think the in the other thing we have, we mentioned this a little bit that we have going against is we just have such a wide umbrella. Right. We want to include everybody mm-hmm. because that's going to give us the most amount of participants. And it's an art right now in terms of, well, what goes in what tier and what goes up there? Because we have tried to say, like, OK, well, if there's X amount of participants, you're here. Okay, but does that really a stronger tournament than one that has 10 less, but all 30 of those are seasoned professionals and stuff like that. So that's why, you know, we're very much like we're not going to charge anybody money to be a member of the AMA. And so we feel really comfortable that at the end of the day, you're getting something out of it if you're somebody who's really like into the rankings. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, so, um, yeah. And, you know. And the feedback is good. And if anybody's got other feedback or if there's other systems that you've seen, maybe that from mini golf, but other sports that deal with this, like, you know, we always go back to the college football thing because it's the easiest to look and be like, well, everybody's pissed off that Florida State was undefeated and not in the playoffs. So we must be doing something okay if you just at least look at our top 10 and they seem like they should have been there based on how they finished their tournaments this year. Um, But, you know. There's a lot of cool niche sports out there that probably deal with some of this. And if anybody's got any ideas, send them our way. I mean, have you thought about regional tiers and like instead of, you know, skill level yes. tiers or any of that yes. stuff? But that, I, I know about that's regional. tough to do. We've thought about type of tournament. We thought about like segregating, like, do you play like novelty type courses versus yep. more adventure courses? You know, there's and I think that's where we may just end up with. You know, almost different division. Like me, we may have one overall ranking, but then have kind of the subdivisions where we can kind of carve out and, and make it basically make more winners at the end of the day to acknowledge <laughs> that it is really hard to have one common winner if most of your players aren't playing more than two or three tournaments against each other. And then that's, yeah, that's even if they are against each other. Yeah, that was kind of my thought was, I mean, it'd be kind of cool. You've got these hotbeds, you know, in the Minneapolis area, the the O Street guys, but, you know, they kind of have their own deal going on, right? They already have their own rankings kind of there. So that kind of throws that out the window. But that was a thought that crossed my mind. I'm like, man, even if it's kind of, you know, really it's it's Minneapolis, but we'll extend it out to the show me guys or, you know, yeah, it's really just O Street, but we'll send it up the East Coast and pull these together. But I, at the end of the day, I, that's what I came to also was you already have league scoring systems in place that are pretty much going to mimic exactly what it'll be. So I don't know that that works so well. I I would love us to get to a point just having been to Sweden and the UK and they're having a club system that we get to a point that maybe we have these state by state clubs or regional clubs that you're sort of part of. And we have that to a small degree where O street sort of its own little crew but you know i think there's like other ways that we can kind of slice and dice that and really give ways for people to feel included and this sense of camaraderie and teamwork that's really really evident and in you know both the uk and sweden that frankly has made their competitive their competitive group of players 
way like a class above where everybody else is at. There's a reason why the Germans and the Swedes and a lot of like the standard forms of miniature golf that are played in Europe that they're cleaning up because they've had these club systems that literally date back 70 plus years that have been built. And I think that we'd like to get there, but we're also realistic that Sweden and the UK have like great public transportation and infrastructure and lots of other things that they're ahead of us with, but that's not to make excuses. It's just that it's going to take us time when those are the little things we're going to work on is try to try to help people. Like here's some hotels to stay at if you're going to go play Matterhorn. But even I, you know, all, all parts of the country aren't even created equal, right? Like if I think about between Maine and New Jersey, yeah, let's call it eight hours in total, give or take, there's just a lot more miniature golfs than eight hours between Texas and Arizona, right? Like in, yeah. in space. So 100%. even if you try to say like, well, everybody's going to travel the same distance still doesn't mean you can't play the same amount of mini golf either. And that's, that's a struggle with the U S yeah. It'd be nice to be like Denmark where our WMF president's from. And they just have a ton of tournaments that everybody can play in because the country's the size of Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah. And when we talked about the BMG, that's the British uh, association and literally the farthest anybody has to travel is like four hours are like, Oh, I have to go really far to that tournament. We're like, wow. Like if, if you're in, if you're in Minnesota, a lot, a lot of our players didn't travel. The closest tournament is a solid five and a half, six hour drive. And you're going to have to like get lodging. And in some of those cases, like lodging for red putter, it, because it's in the height of tour season, it's expensive. And then as Ed Weiss knows, if you go to the MC Mini Masters to practice six courses, which they did for that mm-hmm. tournament, is really, really daunting as well. So we're, you know, we're, our hope is, is that as we integrate people that it's these tournaments as they do them year after year, they won't be as daunting. And uh, I think Ed might even have a question or Matt. So I'm going to shut up. Yeah, now I was just gonna say I think the scoring system is is pretty fair. It's a good balance between you know doing well and and availability. And just you know, looking at the results of my family, it's a good you know Griff, Griffin and I played the same number of events. He played well, finished fourth or tied for fourth. You know, I was middle of the pack in a lot of them and was you know down around 18th. And then my son Landon, who's a college student and was only able to play in two events, played well and finished 10th. So you know, I think it's it you know, rewards you for doing well, but then also gives you some credit for, uh, you know, participating. My, my only comment was maybe a slight, you know, slightly more waiting, uh, you know, for those for winning the event since, you know, winning is so significant. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, a pretty fair representation. I, I really but, like that comment and actually it was like, yeah, maybe we should give like an extra point or two to the winner, but keep in mind when you win a tournament, you automatically do get two because you got right. the base level point and that bonus point. But maybe there should be a couple extra for those. I mean, I think it for in general, most people in a larger tournaments, there's like a big distinction between the top three podium spots and below. And so I think that's something that we can look at. I think one of the things that we have ahead for us in our conversation before finishing the tiers is do we bump up some of those bonus points for finishing near the top? And what does that look like? 
And I can tell you what Pat did last year was he kind of sliced and diced all of the tournaments we already had and what would happen if we did this, this, and this, and how much would that change our results? And I think we're going to be doing a lot of the same things as like, what if we took our same exact season and we just sort of allotted points differently? What do those results look like? And does that still seem to be fairly accurate? Who's being included, who's not included? And some of it, you know, we talked about on the podcast, there's people like Pat, Justin Seymour, Gary Hester, that only played into the tiers that had they played one more, their positions would have moved up. I mean, the reality is, is that like, I played in all three tiers, but if any of four players, five players, six players played in one more tier, I wouldn't be in the top 10. And, and, and that's just the reality of it. And the reason I played so many, honestly, was because I wanted as an organizer, like, okay, like I want to see what's going on here. And we kind of are all trying to keep without like trying to, you know, meddle in people's tournaments is just like, see what they're all about, see what the vibe is, get to know people and get to play. It's sort of the, great thing about loving the game of mini golf and being an organizer you get to wear two hats when you show up but if you're not organizing the tournament you don't actually have to be the one that collects scorecards and all of that uh stuff that is fun every once in a while but it's not every tournament the most fun thing in the world to do yeah and add to your point uh, the, the one aspect of the new rankings that i personally liked the most was the fact that it was capped so Though you might have gone for me like third place at the O Street Open, I still am incentivized to go to another blue tournament because the differential um, between first and third of two points, and then also the ability to still get um, bonus points to work my way up. So you might feel like, say, you're at the top locally and you play a red and white event, um, maybe even a blue event, and, and you're trying to figure out a path to the top 10. Um, there's still a way of doing it without getting rewarded for attending a ton of events, which might not be fair for some others that can only make it to, um, to maybe, maybe three for the year. So, um, a shout out to, to Pat on that one, because, uh, I, I thought that was a, a pretty ingenious idea. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. And, you know, part of the reason we went to the MC mini masters, you know, it was a great weekend trip for me and my boys, but also, you know, it was a different tier event. It was a, you know, an event that Landon would be able and would be able to play in that was, uh, you know, a different tier. And uh, yeah, it was just, you know, I thought it was well-structured, the scoring. Yeah. Nathan or Matt, I saw both of you at a, unmuted. Yeah. Yep. I had wanted it a little bit. And for, um, for those of you who haven't met, I'm Matt. I'm from Connecticut. I play in some of the Northeast tournaments and um, just wanted to uh, share feedback that I thought this past season, as far as the scoring rubric, I think everything was great. And this is coming from me going from second in the first season down to 12th. You know, there's always going to be those what ifs. Like, I mean, really, if I had wanted to get top 10, I could have traveled. But, you know, you make the choice. I just made the choice not to play in the red tournament just life-wise, you know. But um, two, a couple questions I had. First, um, and I, I know I came in kind of late, uh, how many tournaments are there about this year is it is the number grown a lot or 15 confirmed that does not include uh two additional virtual events i would say to be safe 
I feel comfortable with probably another three events that are for sure confirmed. So right now I would say mostly about the same amount of tournaments as last year are confirmed. I will say there are a number of courses that we've been talking to and following up with that we think that that number could increase quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see, but we could, we could imagine that number going up to about 25 to 30 events with the, virtual wow. events in total yeah okay. that probably gets to the point where we're comfortable managing that like i wouldn't imagine we're going to have that much of exponential growth each year no unless we get more people to help us out right like the 30 events if we get to that and and part of it is we're targeting a lot of owners and, and tournament organizers who've got the bandwidth to execute on those events so our input has to be minimal on that but that's that feels like a good number to have if we can execute that on consistently for the next couple of years. Okay. And we, we talked about tweaking the the ranking system internally. We're also trying to figure out with our schedules, a, a great way of getting that information out and giving up responsibilities. So um, yeah, I, I, I hope there's not more than 30 for just the three of us right now, plus Mandy and Robin. So and and I and one and one quick thing that's just sort of to give you a little bit behind the scenes in how we're selecting them is we've been really reluctant to work with any course owners or operators or organizers that haven't already organized a tournament already. We've kind of mm-hmm. been burned in the past with those things. But what we've told people is, hey you're really interested in running your first tournament and we can't run it, but here's the deal. We'll jump on a phone call with you. I will share all the information in the world. We did a podcast on how to run your own tournament, but we'll even do some more feedback and some best practices. And if you can run one on your own and you can be public about it, get the information out there and you can get us results we'll you know we'll stay in touch and we'll have you part of the circuit the next year if you're an organizer that's already running a tournament or run tournaments like you Corey we are more apt to say yes you've been running this tournament for x amount of years let's make sure we're using you know the you know that it's the right format and stroke play and all of that i mean even talking with for example the show me putters they had their tour championship that was going to be only people that had played in that tour. And we sort and you know, we followed up and I just said, Hey, this is not a good event for us for next year. And they're like, well, we'll just open it up to everybody. I'm like, great. Cause they had come back and they're like, well, Hey, we got this match play event. It's like, we just, we had talked about it earlier. We don't know the best way within our current rank with our point system, how that would work. That's not to say somewhere down the road we couldn't fit that into its own tier or have that pulled out. But right now, I think it would just add like another layer of challenge that, you know, when you're talking about not only trying to compete, compare people against people in different regions, and then you put it in a tournament bracket match play within the tournament, you're like, oh, well, this person's draw automatically gave them a better possibility of finishing better and more points. And, it, it just it, it gets too complicated, but yeah. And then yeah. 
Matt, if you want to finish up, and then we'll have Nathan, I think, had a question. Yeah, I just, just uh, had two quick questions. One, I guess, personal bias. Is Farmington going to drop down to a red tournament? And then second question is, do you ever think that down the road that there might be like a tour championship? So for like a guy like me who's not able to travel as much, that it would maybe create that like if there's one event that folks would travel a distance to that's kind of centrally located that might be weighted a little bit heavier towards the end of the season. By the way, Pat, Tom, I did not pay Matt <laughs> to say that. Aaron's definitely <laughs> So get to up. the first one. Um, we haven't decided on the, the yet. Um, Farmington's still been pretty strong as a, as a white in terms of the field lately, but with the the course balls and the way that course pl- can play sometimes, that's been, I say, one of our bubble tournaments that we've been looking at, but no decision yet. And Aaron, I'll let you talk about what we've bounced around for potential championships and stuff yeah so um that discussion has been uh uh, floated around um i i feel like our c the ama season should have some type of finale um it goes back the issue goes back to um how everything's set up it's we have players in all all over the country um to so to try to find a central location and make it fair for those um, that are say in the top 10 or top 20 and to be invited to a championship. Um, we have to find an area that uh, has Mentragoff is easy to travel to and somewhat affordable for a majority um, of all of our players. And as Tom mentioned from the amount of players that we had, um, 500 player, 480 some unique players. Um, it, it, it's very difficult. Um, so I think if there was something in place, um, the overall rankings um, would probably stay intact and it would just be um, some some type of invitational, uh, an added event uh, that might not affect the overall rankings, but would at least, um, you know, I guess answer the question of who the better putter is for the year, at least in one tournament. Um, so, yeah, Myrtle Beach. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Um, and uh, there's there's some stuff in place uh, already. And if a lot of players are going that that's that was my one argument. If we could find an, an area where everyone's going to anyway, like Myrtle Beach, um, that ideally was towards the end of the season, which October typically it is, um, then maybe that would be the, a, a great spot for it. But yet. Yeah, uh, million dollar question is just how 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 do we execute some of these uh ideas and uh still still on the uh planning stages yeah and we're just a massive massive country and compared to other places i mean like the distance from someone in southern florida and seattle is like further than anybody i think in most of continental europe's even traveling Tom, how, how expensive was it for you to get to myrtle beach it was like cheap, like like four fifty. It was forty six dollars for me. Yeah. So for but us I to go, go to like Mur- ninety five, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could throw out the numbers for everyone who's gone to the Masters. I, I mean, we've all paid different prices to get down there. Um, some and it's not some even people have the ability to, to drive. drive. Yeah, exactly. You I, don't it's, even it's have a the day, option. It's a straight day for me to drive to Myrtle Beach, and other people, it's you know like a couple hours away from home. So. 
Yeah. And also the idea of a championship or finale would be towards the end of our season. And then we're looking into some colder months. Um, so um, options for courses um, that would be in a more populated area for like, say like the Northeast uh, places are already starting to close down. So yeah, if anyone has any suggestions, I think we're always open to ideas like that, but um, it might be more for a 2025 season. Mm-hmm. Maybe closing thought is, with any of this stuff, if you have questions, like we're happy both individually or like in our social media or email AMA mini golf at gmail.com. If you drop us like a quick note for a quick answer, we're, we're happy to respond. I think we've been on the other end of it where we've tried to write people that organize tournaments and organizations and you just don't hear anything. And so we try our best to be really proactive and provide as much information as possible and responsive to people that are interested in tournaments. I know there's a couple of people that were really curious about what was happening at the MC Mini Masters before all of the tournament courses were announced and were just, you know, I I couldn't give them the final answers, but they wrote me and I just said, this is where I expected to start and this is where we know it'll end. The middle is probably going to be somewhere between here and here. I can't confirm any of that, but I can let you know as much as possible. I think with everything, we're trying to get all of the details and as much information out there as possible and related to number of rounds, tier, purse, entry fee, and all of that. But, you know, if, if there are like big factors like, oh, is this thing going to fill up? Just drop us a note. We don't want anybody to feel like pressure, like, oh, I got to sign up or it's going to sell out and... You know, I think Aaron would like 54 problems. Um, uh, <laughs> shout out uh, to our friends in the UK uh, where he might have to say no to a, a Nathan who's number 55. But I have a feeling uh, first tournament, if they get 54 people in the dead of winter, uh, we'll, we'll be very happy. And, um, we'll, you know, I think we'll figure out a way the next year to accommodate 60 people or more uh, if that's possible. Yeah. And I think for Tom, myself, Pat, we're the ones running some of these tournaments. Um, If, if there was a situation like that, I think if you guys just reach out directly, um, you know, we're going to do our best to make sure that everyone's accommodated. So Nathan, if there's, 54 spots and you're the the 55th person i i think it's safe to say that we'll we'll get you aaron will give you his spot i think i just heard aaron (laughs) say they don't give him his spot uh so aaron's not gonna play it (laughs) hey i i I couldn't do the o street open or the thousand dollar tournament in the in the past and it's a lot to run a tournament um and then focus and try to try to play so yeah for maybe the first tournament uh I might have to sit out, but no, not as, as of right now, I'm playing. <laughs> Final thoughts. No, I just want to thank everybody for, for coming out. Um, if you're listening to the replay, thank you for listening to that as well. And like we said, just keep sending in your thoughts and we will see people, I guess, starting as early as January. So not that far off at this point. I, I just want to encourage people within uh, the AMA community and just the mini golf community to connect and if we can be a conduit if you're just like hey i'm thinking about going to this place and i know none of you guys are there like if you're like hey who who does stuff in atlanta at putters league it's like we'll connect you with brian 
like he's awesome and you should meet Kyle Sweat. He's a guy that plays down there. Jason Partika, it's just like there's a bunch of really cool people down there. And same we would say if you're going to Ohio, like, you know, talk to Corey. We'll connect you, connect the dots. We want to do that. And, you know, and I'd even say that on a smaller level, even if you want to play walkabout folks, there's that Discord channel. If you're finding how other people are in the AMA and want to join up, hit us up. I know there's a handful of us that have been jumping on late at night and playing games. Happy to do that. You know, at any time we really enjoy uh all of this stuff that we do and it's part of the reason we're putting it out there final thoughts aaron no i I, just repeating myself but um just really appreciate everyone coming out to um all of our tournaments um it's you know we, we can organize things but if you guys don't come out and participate then um we're just three guys wearing blue shirts that like Menchikoff and have a tournament. So um, <laughs> thank you guys. Um, and we, we honestly do care about feedback because we're obviously players ourselves. And in order for things to um, grow in, in a, in a positive way. And um, you know, we're can't keep, we can't make everyone happy. Nothing's going to ever be perfect, but in order for it to get to the closest possible success that we can get to, um, that it's everyone participating by going to the tournaments, but also just letting us know um, how you guys feel. So I think everyone follows pretty much everyone on social media, some form. So um, questions, comments, concerns, you can always reach out direct or uh, through AMA. And just as one quick closing shout out, we wanted to thank our 2023 season sponsors one more time we have walkabout mini golf that was our major sponsor that helped us send membership cards to all of you uh, that are members of the american mini golf alliance the ama as well as pingvin mini golf who had provided some mini golf balls that we gave away at tournaments pingvins on again for next year as well as walkabout so we're excited to have them on board Stay tuned for a few more podcast normal episodes in the coming weeks, but this is just a special one we wanted to get out there for those that couldn't make the players meeting and want to know the inside of the American Mini Golf Alliance and what's happening and how our players are feeling about events as we're growing, changing, and adapting to really connect the dots between mini golf organizations and leagues across the country so thanks for listening this episode i know it's a weird one without the intro but we'll be back with me and pat talking about a little bit of holy moly and not new episodes but we've never recapped our own episode so that's on the docket for some time before christmas so until then happy holidays and see you soon